Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and it is Waiver Wire Monday, Tuesday for you guys listening to this now. And I hope, you know, all of you are in your fantasy football championships. Championship Sunday is upon us, week 17. And as always, I am joined by none other than PFF's own Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, championship week. Let's go, man. Great week to be great. Great week to be great. It's always it's always a great week to be great, but this is especially a great <laughs> week to be great. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think we have a few. I think we have a few things here, you know, for the folks like uh, like running backs just like growing off trees the last few weeks. So we'll. I don't know that we can follow up like the Duke Johnson and Rex Burkhead performances, but we'll see. <laughs> There have been some truly absurd ones, that's for sure. As always, we will, of course, touch on running backs. But first, we'll go quarterbacks, go through each and every position, giving you guys the top waiver claims to get after. Obviously, this will be our last waiver wire episode of the year. Hope you guys have enjoyed them. And as always, we're going through more guys than just the people that we are trying to recommend. I've scoured, scoured the internet for waiver wire articles, and I just want to make sure that we get our opinions out on the guys that you all, you all are going to be reading about for most of this week. So, Dwayne, Starting things off at quarterback, I think the big five in terms of guys that are available, again, in 50% or more of most base leagues, Justin Fields against the Giants. Hopefully, he'll be starting this week. Jimmy Garoppolo versus the Texans. Mac Jones versus the Jaguars. Whoever the hell is that quarterback for the Ravens against the Rams. And Ryan Tannehill versus the Dolphins. It does seem like, as we said last week, Justin Fields should be the number one priority in his last five starts. He's posted QB3, QB9, 29, 8, and 10 uh, overall finishes. After that, man, I'm down to go with Tyler Huntley or Josh Johnson or, you know, I'm guessing Lamar Jackson is not there on the wave wire. But if he is, we'll throw him there. Uh, You know, but just with Huntley, we know he's got the rushing upside. And with Johnson, man, we know that dude can actually sling it. I don't want to say better than Lamar and Huntley, but man, they certainly embrace more of a pass-first offense with Josh Johnson. He has shown he's capable of achieving that. Weapons all over the field for that group. So that'd be kind of my second choice. Then we got Jimmy Garoppolo, dream spot against the Texans that I think a lot of us maybe envisioned this would be you know, a good spot for Trey Lance back in August, but it is what it is. Jimmy G, as we know, sometimes doesn't look the prettiest, but still capable of putting up some solid production through the air with Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo doing their thing. And then finally, you know, Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill. I think I would like to think that if you're in your team, if you're in your league's championship, you don't really have to worry about actually starting one of these guys. But I do think uh, Ryan Tannehill probably gets the nod uh, with having AJ Brown back against the Miami blitz happy defense. Just one mistake away from a big play. So Fields, Raven QB, Jimmy G, Tannehill, then Mac. What say you, Dwayne? Yeah, no, that's. I think it's Fields and the Ravens quarterback, just like you. I don't really. I. I don't really care which one it is. I mean, obviously, um, if Lamar's back, you won't be able to use either <laughs> of them. But I'm fine with with Josh Johnson. I'm fine with Tyler Huntley. Um, both of them very active in the run game this past week. Um, 21% of the design rushing attempts went to Josh Johnson. The week before that, with Tyler Huntley, we saw hang on, like 28%. So 28% and 21% of design rushing attempts. That's huge. Um, that's obviously what you're looking at with Fields, too. He doesn't get quite as much of the, of the design attempts. Don't know how much of that is Matt Nagy, how much of that is Fields been battling some minor injuries on and off throughout the year. But the big thing for Fields is the scramble rate, which is 13% on the season, which is one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. So with Fields, you know, even though he may not get as much of the design rushing attempts, he's still going to end up with about 20, 25% of the team's rushing attempts once you tack on those different scrambles. Um, so yeah, that's the order I would go. Fields, Ravens quarterbacks. Um, then I would go Jimmy G. I would go Tannehill over Mac Jones just because... 
we know with Mac Jones and with the Patriots, um, like at any moment, like Bill can totally just like, you know, pull back all the candy and just be like, nope, you can't have any Mac. Now look, Tannehill and it's not like the Titans aren't also a run heavy offense. They very much are. So they're similar. But for me, I've just got, a, I've got a longer track re- track record with Ryan Tannehill, right? Yeah. I've seen more top 12 quarterback finishes from Ryan Tannehill. And now having AJ Brown back, he actually has an alpha target. Whereas you don't have that for Mac Jones and the Patriots. So I would lean Tannehill over Mac Jones. Yeah. With Tannehill. I mean, Plenty, if not all the credit, should be going to A.J. Brown. But you know what? Those points do count for Tannehill as well. And then that awesome Thursday night performance we saw last week. It was actually the first time that uh, we had Tannehill average even seven yards per attempt since week 10. First, and it was his highest passing grade in PFF terminology since week nine. So good stuff from Tanny. First game with wide receiver one, A.J. Brown back in the picture. Moving on to the running back situation. So. The guy that's at the top of every waiver wire article is, of course, Dari Ogunbowale. I'm not sure why that's the one pronunciation I've managed to nail over the years, but here we are, Dwayne. 82% snaps, 17 carries, four targets last week. We love those touches, obviously. Now, the thing is, will he continue to be the feature back? We do have Carlos Hyde in IR. Uh, obviously, James Robinson done for the year with the Achilles issue, but we did see Raquel Armstead as a healthy scratch in this one. So, we do have we have exactly three games of history of Dari working as the lead back, and they have all come in week 16 or 17 over the years. So I'm not saying it's impossible for him to get this job, but just realize we have again this last game on Sunday, week 16 and 17 last year when James Robinson was out of the picture. Other than that, Dari has literally never had more than two carries in an NFL game since he entered the league back in 2017. Like no team has viewed him as a legit three down back. He's just kind of been forced into that situation on some truly horrendous Jaguars teams at the end of the season. So Dwayne, we're going into New England. Man, I know touches are touches, but I just think there's so much risk with Raquel coming back, either making this a two-back committee or just straight up being the clear early down back that at this point, Dari, man, I don't think he even deserves to be a number one waiver out of the week. I would prefer Boston Scott and Daryl Williams if he's available over Dari. Yeah, I don't want him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, Simple I, I as mean, that. I'm not, look, I mean, are you going to want to start him? Like, you're just not going to no. want to start him because you're not going to know what's going to happen with Armstead. I mean, I, I just think there's too much risk with it in a terrible offense. I would rather swing for the upside with Boston Scott, you know, with a chance that he's the lead back on a run heavy offense that we've seen be very successful with the Eagles. I mean, one of the top three uh, most run heavy teams down the stretch in the NFL. So, I mean, you know what the Eagles want to do. And we've seen Boston Scott actually do it, you know, in the game. Now, he hadn't had a full game where he's just got to be the dude. It's been more like, you know, here or there, somebody gets knocked out, Boston Scott comes in, right? But he's played really well. I would expect him to handle uh, Miles Sanders' role with him already ruled out. And if by some chance Jordan Howard is out and you cut this thing down to just him and Gainwell and Hurts, then I think, you know, you've got the potential for like a big game out of Boston Scott. Like we won't rank him in the top 12. He'll still probably, well, you might. I I would probably put him high-end RB2 though. Yeah. Like if if we know for sure that Jordan Howard, Howard is also out. Um, so I would much rather go that direction. Also, the Eagles offensive line is just so much better than the Jaguars. Like yeah. it's not it's not comparable. Um, then I would go with Daryl Williams um, just because if right now, you know, I think CEH, the latest I saw is he's actually a week to week, which means he's probably going to he's probably going to miss this week. Like anytime you hear you the week so. to week thing. 
that's usually what that means. So I would rather go um, with Daryl Williams, potentially have, you know, the number one back in a shootout against the Bengals. Um, a guy that we know can get involved in the passing game. Like, look, Daryl Williams, like basically he's the third option in their passing game. Like he's just as involved as any other receiver. And now if you get to tack on maybe 50, 60 percent of the rushing attempts, I do think that Derek Gore would come in and probably spell and maybe take 25, 35 percent of the rushing attempts. But otherwise, I would expect Williams to handle all of that. And it's in a much better offense. So I think your two best bets, if you're trying to win a ship, right, it's Boston Scott, it's Daryl Williams. Then I would go Rex Burkhead. Then I would go Ogan Bowale. Um, as far as Rex, just real quick on him. Same exact utilization, folks, as the week before. Let me read to you. Snaps, 64% versus 62%. That's week 15, then 16. That's the order I'm doing. Rushing attempts, 57% versus 58%. Routes, 45% versus 53%. Targets, 11 versus 7%. Targets per route run, who cares? Uh, short down and distance, 100%, both dimes. Long down and distance, basically the same. Two-minute offense, the same. So, so Burkhead... Yes, he does have a nice role, but to your point, like it's the Texans backfield, man. <laughs> and I just and who knows, we may get David Johnson back. I would I would still put I would put Burkhead, you know, third on the list. If I had to use him, I would. But the week before, he had a PPR finish of running back forty five. <laughs> this last week, a running back three. So you kind of see what the range of outcomes are. I would not bet on the high end of that range again, like to save my life. It's for sure a teardrop off after Daryl and Scott going down to Rex, Dari, however you want to rank that. I'm with you, man. We've seen Daryl this year without Clyde really get fed. I mean, pure touches. I actually uh, said this wrong on the podcast uh, last night. Dwayne and I record how pretty dare late. You? I know. How, how, how dare, dare you? But I was saying combined carries and targets, and it was actually combined carries and receptions. So absolutely, you know, huge difference. Oh, yeah. So targets, it's even higher. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Touches, not opportunities. Touches without CEH for Daryl this year. 24, 8 in that weird 27-3 loss against the Titans. And then four games since, 19, 22, 20, and 14. He'd be tough to keep out of that top 20, hell, maybe even top 16 conversation himself. I'm with you on Boston Scott, and particularly if we're going to see Jordan Howard out as well. Nick Sirianni did say the team is hopeful. Jordan Howard plays the MRI. MRI apparently came back okay. Uh, for those that didn't see, Miles Sanders already ruled out with a broken hand and scott man carries in those games weeks eight through ten without sanders 12 10 11 yes jordan howard was every bit involved but really with game while we've seen him you know just less and less involved in the offense throughout the season it could be a situation where i think scott just straight up takes over the backfield if howard somehow manages to miss time as well last point here Dwayne, because yeah, Rex. That was literally the first top 20 finish by a Houston running back all season long. Like, okay, we got one ceiling game. That's great. I don't think we need to go back to that well. What if Ryquel somehow is inactive? What if he's out of the picture? Um, what if they say, you know what, he's not back in game shape and stuff? If we could confirm Dari as the featured back through one thing or another, maybe Jaguars come out and they say he's going to be our new James Robinson I think I would still want Scott and Williams over him. But at that point, I'd probably be willing to bump ahead of Rex. Even then, though, man, we're talking what? Mid-tier? To me, they become the same thing. They, they become yeah. the same thing. They're on terrible offenses. They are not great players. And you're just looking for the volume. And both of them can catch passes. So I think, honestly, you're just looking at the same thing between the two of them. I mean, you might, I might actually still slightly lean Rex as long as David Johnson was out just because – I feel like the Texans have shown a little bit of an ability to stay in certain games, whereas the Jaguars just seem to never be in any game. Um, so, and just to be honest, like Davis Mills is playing better than Trevor yep. Lawrence right now. So, I mean, um, 
I, I would probably still slightly lean to Rex, but I would I would I would feel comfortable at that point if I had to, like emergency break glass situation, using arms, you know, use not Armstead, using um, Agamboale as like my RB two. Don't want to flex him. Don't want to do anything like that. So running back waiver ads this week, everyone. Boston Scott, Daryl Williams, those are your top two by far. Tier drop off. Then we're looking at Rex and Dari Ogun Bawale. Don't be falling for all those header photos that are hyping up Dari as the next big thing. Moving on to wide receiver. You know, it's kind of the same thing every week, Dwayne. Like, we don't see wide receivers appear out of nowhere and all of a sudden be, you know, ranked in the top 20. Some guy, Sometimes guys develop that after, you know, a series of good weeks, and hopefully we can identify them early on in that process. But generally, when we're getting these guys, you're looking at someone to fill a flex spot, maybe a wide receiver three spot. We shouldn't have as high of expectations as we might have with a running back or maybe a streaming quarterback in a good matchup. So with that said, you know, top five kind of options this week. Isaiah we McKenzie. That and every receiving streamer like came through last week. Like Palmer <laughs> came through, McKenzie came through, Pringle came through with two touchdowns. <laughs> so Lazar was yeah. all right. No man, I, I I hear you. But in terms of like but historically speaking, yes, you're right. It's it's they're two different things. Yeah. So we got Isaiah McKenzie going up against the Falcons. We need to see exactly what's going on with Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis. Both it has are, to be Cole Beasley out. It yeah. can't be Gabe Davis is going to miss no matter what. Beasley has a shot, but it has to be Beasley that's out for McKenzie to have value. Yeah, if he's not, then, you know, we it could honestly, he could be back on the bench. It could be Jake Kumaro being more of the full-time outside guy. So if Beasley is out, man, Dwayne, we now have a two-game sample of him being used basically as the number two pass game option behind Stefan Diggs. Obviously, dream matchup against the Falcons, a 29th-ranked defense and PPR points per game allowed the wide receivers. So if no Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie should be your number one waiver wire add of the week at wide receiver. After that, I think there's a drop-off, and then we kind of have a team here josh palmer going up against the broncos need to make sure mike williams or jalen guyton are continuing to be out of the picture we also we also have Kadarius tony going up against the bears alan lazard going up against the vikings and kj osborne going up against the packers um some more injuries to keep an eye on there uh, with the vikings Adam Thielen did return to that game, although Mike Zimmer said that he is still sore. He's hopeful he can play this week, but, you know, taking Mike Zimmer's word for injuries usually hasn't worked out. Over the years, Osborne would be, uh, you know, in the wide receiver three conversation if there's no Thielen. And then with Lazard, Marquez Ball-Scantling was out last week and ended up allowing Lazard to be in on 94% of Rodgers' dropbacks. But, man... Like the Vikings secondary sucks. Even if MVS is back in the picture, I think we still have guys that have that ceiling as the potential number two uh, receiver for Aaron Rodgers during any given week against, again, a terrible Vikings secondary. Um, obviously, if we can condense the targets a little bit more, it'd help. But I'm fine with these guys as a flex, you know, pretty much either way. So, again, Dwayne, I think we're in agreement with McKenzie as the number one ad, again, barring no Beasley. After that, how would you rank these guys? I like Palmer slightly better than Lazard, um, you know, just because I feel like he has more outs, right? It could be Williams or Guyton could leave his role stronger. And if both of those guys come back like, and they're limited, like what we've seen with some players like Tyreek Hill, like Allen Robinson, like Amari Cooper, not everybody just comes back from COVID and is what they were before, right? You know, I mean, understandably. And so I think there's a lot more outs right now for Palmer than there is for Lazard. Lazard really needs 
in my opinion, like MVS to be out. Um, yes, you're right. You, one of the two could still hit, right, as your flex play, but it becomes much more like boom busty feeling. Whereas with Palmer, I feel like there's probably a path to just feeling safer about him this week. And I think they're similar, right? And, and you know, they play with good quarterbacks, both of them, a um, little bit more pass happy on the Chargers side. So I like that as well. Um, so I would say it's McKenzie. Again, assuming that Beasley's out, then it would be Palmer. And for me, it would probably, I would have Osborne and Lazard. I think they go right there, you know, together, but I do like Osborne as well. We've seen him come through for us. I think he's a low end mid range wide receiver three that you can use when Thielen's out. He's proven that. Um, and then I think Tony's last. And it's just really about the quarterback play for Tony, right? Also, just, you know, only out there for like 55% of the routes last week. Like him in Dynasty, like him for the future. Man, it's just tough to get your head around anything to do with the freaking, you know, Giants. <laughs> so rough all right we just did have some news come through and that is that mike evans unfortunately has landed on the covid list wasn't guaranteed he was gonna be able to return from that hamstring in the first place but Dwayne, we do have brashad perryman who just got activated off the list last week if you just want to go ahead and look at the buccaneers uh snap splits in that dominant win over the panthers of course you got antonio brown as the undisputed number one 15 freaking targets and also a week high for the buccaneers 79 percent snap rate but we did have Cyril Grayson also playing a full-time role next to him I mean Scotty Miller who I would have would have assumed would be that guy only played three total snaps we had Tyler Johnson as the slot only and just not even getting a target on the afternoon so knowing what we do about Evans Dwayne would you put Perryman in this group or is he more of just a, a desperate flex because hell who knows if Brady's even gonna throw the ball to someone other than AB or Gronk yeah I think Perryman goes at the bottom of the list like with Tony Um, but you're just gonna, you know, we won't know, we don't have enough information. Like we've just seen, you know, now like the bucks haven't really committed to any of the, any of these guys beyond, right. The top stars, right. When Evans is out there, Godwin, those guys, obviously they get theirs, but what we've seen, you know, with the rest of them, they've, it's not been consistent week to week. Like it's been a rotation. So like it could be Scotty Miller. It could be Brashad Perriman. Like it could be more about Tyler Johnson this week. We don't know. There's a chance any of those guys could hit. I think it's just really tough to pin down which one we think it will be. Quickly to recap these wide receiver wave wire additions, Isaiah McKenzie, number one, if no Cole Beasley. Number two, we are leaning towards our friend Josh Palmer from the Chargers. Then KJ Osborne versus Alan Lazard. I do kind of lean Lazard, but it just all depends on if Dylan and MVS are going to be out. And by the way, that's why you should always listen to the Friday edition of this podcast. We go through each and every entry of the week. And then finally at the end, we got Kadarius Tony and Brashad Perryman as potential dart flexes. Quickly on tight end, Mo Ali Cox potentially uh, could be as sitting as the Colts undisputed tight end one. Jack Doyle did have to leave early last week with ankle and knee injuries. Obviously, he's had you know, a little extra time than usual to get back to 100% coming off the Saturday game. If Doyle is out of the picture, though, Mo Ali Cox will be the primary pass catcher in an offense that loves to throw the ball to the tight ends. We just don't always know uh, who's going to be getting involved because they use three of them with Kylan uh, Granson being the other guy uh, in that scenario. So. I do think Ali Cox would be the fairly undisputed tight end one without Doyle in the picture, and he'd be right there on that tight end one borderline and probably a recommended start and a good enough matchup against the Raiders. 
After that, we got Gerald Everett against Detroit. Well, Disley on the COVID list, man. So we've seen Everett really be more of an every down player with that going on. You know, briefly, we saw the snaps go down after that. You know, maybe the single worst game of the season from a skill position player, uh, you know, about a month ago from Everett. But he has turned out to be more than solid over the past few weeks. And obviously, this matchup against the Lions is fantastic. Then finally, we have Cole Komet. Every down player, unfortunately, that environment sucks. And we got Jimmy Graham is no trade clause, always wreaking havoc you know around the goal line so Dwayne if Mo Ali Cox is able to beat a tight end one in Indy and there's no Jack Doyle I think it's between him and Everett now if Doyle's back you just, you just want to do the tweet with the monster guy running around with all the kids and like beating Mo Ali <laughs> bro he is so big and I think it's uh one of my favorite accounts on Twitter is Jetpack Galileo at Jetpack Galileo, and he just fo- he'll take a screenshot of Mo Ali Cox and just like drag the top corner and make this dude like thirty feet large on the field. That's what he looks like, Dwayne. And <laughs> yes, I also happen to have a lot of best ball. It's exposure. how Josh Gordon looked until a couple of weeks ago. One, I know it really is <laughs> one of the most mature moves I made last uh, off season. I'm not saying it was a right move, but one of the more mature things I did during that off season was draft Mo Ali Cox instead of Chris Herndon as my final round uh, tight end in best ball drafts. So maybe that is sticking out in my mind a little bit too much but you know Dwayne I don't think any of these guys are cracking the top 12 regardless I would really hope people have better options with that said how would you rank them I I would go with Gerald Everett first just because we've seen him you know do it in multiple weeks now we're not excited right about the Seahawks (laughs) offense or their volume I mean the Seahawks are dropping back to pass 30 times a game you know over the last uh you know, uh, sorry, hang on, let me fix that. Uh, over the since week eleven, like they're dropping back to pass thirty four times a game, but then the Colts are similar, right? Uh, Twenty nine point five times for very different reasons. The Seahawks because they're inept. The Colts because they run the ball. Um, so only twenty nine point five dropbacks per game, and then you have Cole Komet on the Bears. Kind of similar, but they're actually like over the last several weeks, like throwing the ball way more. Um, So 43.8 dropbacks per game. So like just on that alone, like Everett's done it the most. So I would put him first. I would put Komet second. I would put Moale Cox third. But no, it's like you said, like they could all, it wouldn't surprise me if any one of them like outdid the other. But I just think based on what we've seen from Everett, like he's got to get the nod first for me. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you this. I know, dude. We'll it's the Seahawks offense. Believe I me, I, I'm with you. It's <laughs> like I, you don't want to recommend it. Like you, you know, it's like you know, you don't want to recommend a, a, a friend to like a really bad <laughs> restaurant. Like, and they have this bad experience, and you build them all up for it. So we kind of say it tongue in cheek, Gerald Everett. <laughs> It really is bad this year. First time since the Seahawks uh, drafted Russell Wilson in 2012 that their passing game is actually averaging negative EPA per pass play. 21st in the league, previously never ranked worse than 14th. So we'll yeah, go Jalen. Interesting thing I, I threw out there on uh, Twitter today. Just I had a couple of Seahawks, you know, tweets. I, I think some people think I don't like the Seahawks. It's not that <laughs> at all. Like I do like them. I'm literally just throwing out like stuff. I do the same thing as you do, Ian. Like while we're doing our research, we're writing. Like these are the nuggets we're finding. We yep. just kind of throw them out there for folks to enjoy. Um, but if you look at you know the NFL average, 62.9 non-overtime plays per game in 2021. That's what the NFL average is. The Cowboys are at 68.3, 1,025 plays. The Seahawks are at 817, 54.5 per game. That comes out to two games less than the NFL average. So the Seahawks right now are on pace to run a full two games less than what all the other offenses get. Like, oh that's 
That's problematic for fantasy. <laughs> like, and since week 10 of 2020, whenever the Rams unveiled all the quarter six, cover two, cover six, all that stuff, and they ran that zone, all that heavy zone coverage 52% of the time, week 10, 2020, and, and coming into that game, the Seahawks, if you remember how they got off to a red-hot start last year, they were averaging 318 yards passing and three-and-a-half touchdowns per game. Like, DK was on a path like to be like in the top three receivers. Lockett was in a path to be like in the top 12. And that game, the Rams held them to 248 yards and zero touchdowns. Since then, Russell Wilson is averaging 216 yards passing and only oh. one-and-a-half touchdowns per game against the new defense that everyone runs against him. It has truly been a rough stretch for Russell Wilson. Excuse me. It does make you wonder. It makes you wonder, like, can he overcome it? As much as we love Russ and how good he's been, but it's like all of a sudden did Brandon Staley, like, unlock for everyone, like, basically how to force these quarterbacks that like to throw deep to not get to do what they want to do. Like, it's kind of a, you know, it seems really like something that should have probably been figured out like a long time ago before (laughs) Brandon Staley did it. But, I mean, it's just kind of interesting. Like, can Russ... Like, can can he still be an elite quarterback? Like, I think it's a good question. And look, we've seen guys like Aaron Rodgers have relative down years and then get back to being a world beater when, you know, his environment was a little better. We've also seen, you know, guys like Ben Roethlisberger start to crash and burn as they get older, like most quarterbacks do over time. Russ is only 33. I don't think we're writing his eulogy just yet or anything, but it is something to keep an I eye on. I want to believe. I will say that. Like, I want to believe in Russ Wilson. Yeah, and I don't really think... I. Maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't, but I doubt that this last year is really going to make too big of an impact on potential trade targets. So I just hope that, you know, either we see Russ back in Seattle, you know, in an offense that really for once is trying to get the absolute most out of Metcalf and Lockett each and every game, or let's send him to a team that will use him to the best of their abilities. Real quick, just some as some news continues to roll in. If you're really desperate, oh man, yeah, okay. Don't get, don't play James O'Shaughnessy. That's what we're gonna do uh, with this. The Jaguars do have to place ten guys on the COVID list: Dan Arnold, Luke Farrell, and Chris Manhurts, all from the tight end room. So for a second, I was thinking maybe want to go with O'Shaughnessy, but nope. He actually was basically splitting reps last week with Jacob Hollister. Fifty-eight percent snaps for O'Shaughnessy, forty-nine percent for Hollister, and it was uh, you know a target lead for O'Shaughnessy, but that's not the sort of three down roll we were looking for. And then finally, some more COVID going on in Tennessee. Nick Westbrook, Akini, and Julio Jones have been placed on the COVID IR list. As we saw, though, Ryan Tannehill is more than content these days just to feed the ball to A.J. Brown each and every play. Dwayne, any final thoughts on the wave of wire ahead of Championship Sunday? No, just good luck to everybody. And, you know, just I think luck is more necessary than ever. Like, there's always any, you know, once you come down to one week, like, there's more luck becomes a bigger and bigger factor, right? Like each, each week when it sounds such a finite amount of time left. Like if you have a really good roster and you lose a couple of games early in the season, you're like, Oh, okay, I'm fine. I can dig my way out. But like, this is like the finality of it. So just hoping everybody is truly lucky and that they miss this COVID stuff. Cause it's been brutal. <laughs> like it the has. COVID stuff has been like a new experience, uh, you know, for me in fantasy, just like uh, the craziness of having to deal with, you know, all these players out each week. 
will be on our regularly scheduled programming here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Dwayne and I will be doing our preview pod. Okay, actually not regularly scheduled programming. Good job, Ian. We'll be doing our preview pod recording on Wednesday. That'll be out Thursday. There's no Thursday night football uh, this week, so not really too much of a need to bust our collective asses to get that out early. Then we'll have a DFS pod on Friday, injury pod Friday and Saturday. And, you know, Dwayne, haven't talked to you about this yet, but, you know, I'll probably just volunteer you. Uh, we will figure out something to get an extra Twitter spaces up since we will not be having our usual Thursday one, maybe a Saturday or and I guess that's New Year's Saturday or Sunday morning starts it. We'll try to do something for you guys because it is championship Sunday, championship week. We want to make sure that we are able to help you out as much as possible as we've been trying to do all season long. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.